Welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith, mental health, and how the church can bridge the gap between them. Today, Michael, Evan, and Lindsay will be talking about disappointment. How do we cope with it? And how do we respond to others who are experiencing it? Hello, everyone, and welcome to our third episode here of our Not Alone podcast. I am Evan, and I'm honored to be here with Lindsay and Michael. I'll let them introduce themselves real quick. Lindsay, you want to kick us off? Hey, everybody. I'm Lindsay Geist. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, as well as an ordained deacon in the North Georgia Conference. Hey, I'm Michael McCord, a campus minister for over 20 years. Gosh, that makes me old, Evan really mm-hmm. old. But you think about campus ministries, it keeps you young. So uh, I'm also an ordained elder in the South Georgia Annual Conference, which means, by the way, Lindsay, that I have a license to preach. Okay. You may have a license for social work, <laughs> but we get a license to preach. Okay. I just want to preach too. We bring the word. I'm just saying, I have the piece of paper that says I have a license to preach. Are we going to argue this here? Really? Is this the right platform? Friends, let's take it offline. Let's talk about what we really need to talk about today. I will send both of you a framed certificate of appreciation for our time together today, since you guys are very concerned about uh, pieces of paper. Uh, So I got a certificate of appreciation for doing a retreat once. It was like officially presented to me in a frame. It was very... It was very nice. It was very what, nice. What is happening to us in all of the sheltering in place? We have lost our minds, I feel like. I I have found my mind, and it is crazy. Uh, so it is, it is Friday, so we're <laughs> celebrating today. Uh, and as you can tell, we are all so tired of being on video screens and video calls. And so just like any normal Friday, uh, we're going to have a wonderful conversation about disappointment today. Uh, and so... Uh, Lindsay, an uplifting way to go into the weekend. I know, right? I know, I know. And I didn't intro what this is. So, uh, just a little quick summary. If you haven't joined us for our other two episodes so far, uh, we had a mental health program that we were going to do a trial run of for youth, young adults, parents, and caregivers for youth. And uh, given the state of the global pandemic. Uh, that and pretty much every other event we've had planned was canceled. And uh, we also had to rebrand it because it was called Not Immune. And that is a little bit tone deaf in our current climate. So uh, we have transferred some of those conversations and things that we were going to discuss and felt were important into our time together. Bless you. Michael just silently sneezed. That was good to catch the mute, man. I was impressed. Uh, yeah, so we sorry. have transferred some of that content into these conversations uh, and just wanted to kind of open the door to what those were and get some of that curriculum in there. So Lindsay, uh, when it comes to disappointment and really what that is, I know that I've felt disappointed and I think I know what it means to be disappointed, but can you just kind of like define it a little bit from your perspective? So disappointment as a whole is when you have expectations and they have not been fulfilled. So some sort of this failure to fulfill what you had hoped or planned for, which really seems to encompass almost everything we're experiencing right now. That feels, yeah, that feels very familiar. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of things that we had planned right now. Um, kind of like the event that we just referenced that was planned for, for this for tomorrow. tomorrow. Um, and 
it's not happening. And there's a lot of disappointment there when you get excited and look forward to something. That is wild that it was tomorrow. Like, I, I just like, I think it's important for us to just take a moment and recognize that like we spent a lot of time and effort on something and it was going to happen tomorrow and it's not. And uh, I think it's a great way to channel disappointment into some energy to be able to do something different, uh, even though what we expected wasn't able to have happen. So uh, I think disappointment you know, plays a really interesting role, Michael. Yeah, I was just thinking today, I, I, this, I had a couple trustees meetings today. One of them was at Oxford College, one of our method schools in Georgia, part of Emory. And Lynn Pace is the- The Oxford, huh? The, 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 <laughs> the Oxford the College of, Oxford of Georgia. In uh, any case, uh, Lynn Pace is the chaplain there and he, he gave this great opening invocation about, um, about recognizing what was supposed to be and, then, and yet also celebrating what is. And, and I think that's a really hard, that's a hard thing to do. Speaking sp specifically, like thinking about college students or we had a, a deep conversation uh, in particular about high school students, seniors, and how we were going to try to recognize and celebrate their graduation from high school, because many of them won't mm -hmm. get a chance to do that when they get to campus at Oxford. Um, so we'll celebrate one day, celebrate their graduation from high school and the next day uh, celebrate uh, their welcoming to college, sort of kind of that same moment that, that, that change. And, and I guess that, that it, it was such a great conversation with a multi-generational group of people about disappointment, about the things that all the things we had planned and all the things that should have been are no longer there. And so I guess the question we have, Lindsay, what I'm thinking about is we, we have a couple options and I mean, cause disappointment at, let's just say disappointment is, is, is going to always be part of life. And we've experienced mm -hmm. disappointment, all different scales, all of us have. Right. But this is like a level of disappointment. That's really sort of beyond anything we've ever seen because of the level of disappointment and the spread of disappointment. Right. But the question I guess is when we're faced with disappointment, we, we have a lot, a couple of options about how we deal with it. One is to sort of just stay in it. All right, we could just sit in disappointment. Uh, we could, maybe not a couple, we have a few options. One could be we just totally not acknowledge it, just bounce off mm -hmm. and just say, okay, whatever, this is what it is, it's the new, the new norm uh, or whatever. Um, or, or maybe there's a third way where we somehow acknowledge disappointment, that it's real, that we're experiencing it, grief, sadness, disappointment, all that stuff's wrapped together. And at the simultaneously, or or in relationship with, we also say, you know what? There's also some some interesting and odd, strange goodness out of all this uh, that we're experiencing. So I, I'm curious about sort of from your angle about this idea of 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 a, how we respond to disappointment and how that helps us deal with the the reality of it. Well, disappointment, I mean, as you said, doesn't feel good. Uh, it makes no. life just feel really human, really real. Um, and none of us want to sit in sadness or pain. So most people would probably naturally gravitate towards pushing against it. Um, I'm not going to be disappointed. It, I, I think my favorite phrase I keep hearing from people when I said, so how how are you doing with that? Or that seems really sad. And people go, it is what it is. 
Mm. And then they try to move on because acknowledging that pain feels too uncomfortable to them. So instead they, they try to push it away. Um, when we spend so much energy trying to push our feelings away, as we talked about in the last episode, all about acknowledging our feelings on the feelings wheel, Mm -hmm. when we spend all of our energy trying to push our feelings away, um, we're actually not processing through things to be able to move forward. We are delaying the work that could be happening to be able to move forward. Mm -hmm. It's about honoring how we're feeling in that moment along the way. And so step one is sitting in that sadness saying, I had really looked forward to this. I had really longed for this. Mm -hmm. I had really hoped for this and, and be kind to yourself to say those things were important to me. Those events, those experiences, those times with people, all of that was important to me. And I'm not getting to enjoy it or experience it. And we're allowed to be sad about that there. I think that if we sit in that sad for forever, it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. It's not okay for us to just say life is nothing that I thought it would be like and wallow. Uh, It, we kind of have to do this dance where we honor the sadness and then we say, okay, recognizing that was what we had hoped for, what else might we look forward to? Or how might we um, bring ourselves back to this moment? What can I appreciate and value about now? Because disappointment makes us, uh, probably makes us feel even more out of control for the future. You know, so tell me, if I'm, tell me if I'm just crazy. You I, are. You, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. that's given. <laughs> but you set yourself up for that one (laughs) what i've been experiencing uh is is sort of this like this some days i'm overwhelmed with disappointment Mm -hmm. i just wake up and i feel like i'm stuck in that old movie groundhog day where i'm just going through these motions i take the kids for a walk i fight them for the rest of the day to do homework i try to do these 17 zoom calls and I also, you know, like, like this, this thing, and you just like, you know, I had to cancel a, a trip to California or, or whatever, you know, like, like, so some days I'm just overwhelmed with disappointment and in, in the feeling of being stuck. But then the next day, like I wake up and I'm like, this is awesome, man. I'm, I'm home with my kids. I don't, I don't get to see them that often. Um, or, or I don't have, I'm in school. I, you know, they're giving me a lot of grace uh, on my schoolwork right now because um, because what we're going through together. And so I think sometimes, I think there's a belief that dealing with disappointment is some kind of like continuum, like you're just sort of continuing. It's just, it's, you just keep working at it and it just gets better and better. But what I've been feeling is much more like the stock market's been, you know, like it's this, <laughs> some days I feel really great. And the next day I'm down on the trough. I'm like, God, just so disappointed with, everything I'm having to camp. So, so I guess talk to me about that. I mean, what is dealing with disappointment over a long haul? And that's the thing is like, I've been disappointed before. I haven't gotten a good grade on something before. I didn't get a promotion I was hoping for, or, or I I, I didn't win the publisher's clearinghouse. Like I thought I was going to win. I felt like, but those are like instantaneous disappointments. And then you just kind of the next day you kind of move on. This is a 
20, what is it? 30 day, 30 of disappointment. Mm -hmm. So, so what, how does like coping with disappointment on like a long-term look like? Yeah. Am I crazy for having these sort of up and down days and being excited one day and down the next? Not at all. I mean, all of our feelings are going to ebb and flow during this season. Um, it's not just dealing with one point of disappointment. Um, it's not like there's only one event that we have lost or one thing we were looking forward to. It is an entire chain of events. So that's why it keeps hitting us is because it's not like we can get over one event and then move on. Every few days is triggering more things that we feel like we have lost along the way. Um, so I think that uh, we're being disappointed about lots of different things and not just one thing. And that's helpful for us to remember because it's easy to beat ourselves up going, I thought I got over that disappointment. What is wrong with me? Um, I should have just solved that and fixed that already. But you're actually um, being disappointed by lots of little things. And my guess is, is that when you get hit with that wave of disappointment, it's probably about a slightly different dynamic about that event every time. So sometimes we're disappointed that the event isn't existing because we won't get to spend time with friends. Sometimes we'll be disappointed that it was important to us and something we valued. Then we might be disappointed that we feel like we might not fit in with other people because we haven't had a milestone that we can talk about. I mean, how many people talk about their high school graduation or college graduation or the parties that you go to um, that parents and aunts and uncles and friends and colleagues reference this stuff right. for years to come? And it can hit us going, oh, I don't have that in the same way. Mm. Uh, that there's, yeah. there's disappointment on lots of levels along the way. We've had a lot of people who've had to postpone weddings and, th and mm -hmm. those kind of things. And I, I can't even imagine the, just the level of distance that that puts between what we thought this season was going to look like and what it does now. And I think that's, what's interesting to me about disappointment in general is it seems like there's like two ways that are commonly manifests itself, at least personally for me. And there's ones that like like I kind of expect it. Like you're like, it's on my, it's on my radar that this could happen. Right. Like, you know, I think maybe this isn't going to come through in time, that kind of stuff. And then there's the surprise disappointments. And I find that like my reaction to the two are, are pretty different. And I, I think it's an interesting kind of thing. Cause I, when I get surprised and disappointed, a lot of the time that's not when I'm alone. Like a lot of time that's in like a social setting or there's like mm -hmm. someone else right there. And so I feel this immediate need to like, triage manage myself so that I don't react out of disappointment I make sure because half the time it's not even legitimate you know what I mean like I'm disappointed and I need to deal with my own stuff I don't need to take it out on on another person whether it's family or in, in work situations that kind of stuff but I feel like this weight of responsibility to manage it like perfectly in that moment as compared to sometimes when you can see it coming you can kind of coach yourself up a little bit okay if this happens then i'm gonna this is you know the right way to react that kind of stuff i don't know if you guys have had a similar experience yeah, you know there's this there's interesting sort of practice that your mind does uh maybe you've maybe you've experienced it before but um i will have sometimes your your mind will you'll have dreams or you'll have thoughts 
about really bad things happening to you. Uh, it's kind of a common practice that, that your brain just sort of, you people just think, oh, this, uh, oh, what if I got in a horrible car accident, you know, and then you start thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And, and part of that is your brain's like uh, desire to sort of, and your, your mental ability to sort of absorb hard things. So you're practicing, mm -hmm. your, your mind is constantly going through sort of crisis scenarios to help, help you cope with disappointment, hurt and adversity or, or, or threats right. to yourself or that sort of thing. And I think that's when, when you sort of go in, like, you know, I've applied for a job before and didn't get it. And it's, it's a long process and you kind of, you kind of coach yourself. Oh, this probably isn't going to work out. You might even say it, you know, you might right. someone say, Oh, I applied. Uh, you know, I don't stand a chance. It's kind of like this, your body's way or your, your, your mind's way, your emotions way of trying to deal with the potential of disappointment. And I think what what's what's particularly potent about this experience is uh, there was no way to prepare for this kind of a disappointment. None of us, I don't think anyone saw this kind of situation coming. And I think that I think that's had some interesting impacts on 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 people's outcome and where they are right now um, emotionally. Um, anyway, I, I don't know what you what you think about that, but. I, I had no way to prepare for this. I could prepare for other disappointments, but but this one I've just had to figure out as as I've experienced it. And if you different. prepared for it really, really seriously and very intensely, you would have been crazy and it would have been a semi-waste of time if you spent they a large They make specials on the Discovery <laughs> Channel about doomsayers, like, you know, and yeah. know, they're, we're, they're the ones laughing now. Um, <laughs> You've got one of those military covered trucks with the right, tires. Right. You show up, you're like, hey, I have a brother who's a former there. Marine, and that's he's my backup plan. So, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, there's a difference between processing one piece of the puzzle that changes, um, but literally our whole puzzle changed. Yeah, and I feel like so, the table moved. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it is easier for us to recalibrate little bits at a time. And then when everything is wiped out, we feel like we're not sure what concrete ground we have to stand on. And mm -hmm. so then we have to start fully over because our, our, our predetermined paradigm that we used to look at the world most of the time we can't use in the same way anymore because it feels like it's failed us on every front. Right. Not just one thing didn't fit into the box the way we thought it would. Now it feels like nothing fit into the box the way we thought it would. And so we start asking these huge existential questions of like, is life nothing that I ever thought it was? Yeah. Um, really mm. big stuff that, uh, is not necessarily accurate and true, but when we feel like we've lost all of our footing mm -hmm. and disappointed on everything that we had hoped for, we start doubting ourselves. Is there nothing I can ever trust again? Yeah. Should I not yeah. long for and hope for anything ever again because to try to avoid this feeling? And that's not true. Um, you know, we long for things and we look forward to things because we value them and they're important to us. And we want things to be valuable and important in our lives. We don't want to give up that part of ourselves forever just yeah, to avoid being I, sad. 
I feel like it's like when you plug in, have you ever tried to plug in like an outlet, especially like your phone charger and you can't really see the outlet that you're trying to plug it in, but you don't want to move mm-hmm. the furniture or it's dark. And so you end up just with these two metal prongs and like, you're like, I, kn- I know you go in there. Like, I know you fit. Like, I know you do, but you're just like scrabbling around, like scraping it. And you don't want to stick your fingers in there to find out like where the holes are. Cause you're like, this is how I die. Like, I don't want to do that. But you know, you know, for a fact, but it's That's there why I'm laughing so hard because I'm like, I totally can see, yeah. see the time that, that I did this. Works. I did this the other night. Right. I mean, yeah. I was looking for something and was like, I'm not moving the couch. I am not going to do it. I'm going to do it based <laughs> exactly on feel. It. Yeah. What? It would have taken so much less time I to just move this. the couch a half inch. I think that's such a microcosm of how like I deal with stuff like that, though. Like I like I know that works. And when you talk about those big questions, I think that that is a really comforting thing to hear just as far as like our human experience because my question uh really too is then like what i don't know what to do when i'm disappointed with god like when i'm disappointed Mm. with my circumstance and like i don't i don't like it or i don't like that i don't have the right answers for this or maybe i don't like what i'm reading or hearing from folks and that 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 is one that feels like too big to touch sometimes because i'm just like i don't even want to open that box because I don't want to go any further. Like I just, I know that the plug is there and I know that it fits. And so I'm just for today, I'm just going to keep it closed. And then some days I open it and I'm like, this is a very dark place. (laughs) You know, um, last week I was invited to another podcast to have that discussion with a, Mm. uh, a woman who identifies sort of as a, you know, a a questioning Christian. And she does this, uh, this, this podcast that's really kind of fun. Uh, we were, we were neighbors back when I lived in Nashville and, um, it was, it, it was about this whole idea of prayer and like when it seems like prayer doesn't work and this idea of like why bad things happen to, to, to good people and this kind of scenario that we find ourselves in. And, and, uh, I can remember, I, I did a sermon when I was a, a Wesley director on a campus and at Mercer about getting angry with God. And it was one of the most polarizing sermons that I, I've ever done because there was this, um, excuse me, I'm going to have to cough. I'm sorry, guys, just a second. It's allergy season. <clears throat> it's not a dry Everyone. cough with a fever. It's allergies. I just went out. The Roni. been trying to work on my grill <clears throat> in between Zoom calls because it broke. Um, anyway, what was that? I gave this, grill, I gave this like... sermon on uh, getting angry with God because w- w- when I die, when I died, when my dad died, when I was 12, I was very angry at God very angry and no one because it was like how in the world would you let this kind of thing happen in this kind of world and you know in this uh, in a a 12 year old's theological framework how how could something like that happen and i can remember my therapist at the time um the only person who granted me permission to be angry at god you know my my youth director and my and my pastors were you know would just offer these sort of well, you just have to understand that bad things happen and, you know, God is still a loving oh, all God. Of those and empty all, phrases all the, right, that were yeah, not and, helpful. Um, my thoughts and prayers are with you and all that stuff. And, and people, and I was, I was telling, I was telling um, Kathy in the, in the podcast, that those are all, I think they're all based out of places of goodness, people trying to help mm-hmm. and they don't have the right words. And so you, they end up using the wrong words, but we can spend an entire podcast. We should about all of the terrible um, things that people and, say and out I, of love. That I would like comes, a list of these things that I shouldn't say. Thank you. Yes. We'll <laughs> that help stuff you comes, it comes out of a desire to help, but not having the right equipment to help mm-hmm. and, and saying the wrong thing. So anyway, um, 
she suggested my going back to my therapist when I was 12, she suggested I take, uh, we had, a, I played tennis back then. Uh, surprising, right? But I played tennis back then and I had a tennis racket. She said, why don't you just, just go home and just say everything you've ever, when, one day when it's just you in the house, everyone's out, just say whatever you need to say to God, get it off and just take your tennis racket and just beat your bed, which there's this image of the 12 year old self, just as angry as possible, you know? And it was, it was incredibly, I'm not saying you should hit people with tennis rackets or, but, but for me at 12, it's what I needed to do. I needed, I needed some outlet to get through the hurt that I was experiencing and, and the anger that I had towards what I felt like was a God who had abandoned me. Now, when I gave this sermon in, in, to, to my college students, and I actually, I brought a twin size bed into the uh, worship space in my tennis racket. I so and I wish it, I had right? been there. Yes, you did. It was great. <laughs> but what I found was people were just so upset about it because they're, they, these are young, these are called 18, 19, 20, 21 year old students. And they had been given such a, frame, a theological framework that said, you're not allowed to be mad at God. And, and you're not allowed to be disappointed because God is good all the time. And you just, whatever happens, you need to suck it up. And, and, and there's like phrases, you know, God will never give you something more than you can handle. But the reality is the hurt is there and the anger's mm-hmm. there and the disappointment's there. And, and, and if we don't have as, as faith leaders, um, if we, as, as, as mental health professionals, don't create space for mm-hmm. people to deal with disappointment and hurt and anger in appropriate ways, then what happens is it starts to destroy you. Mm-hmm. And you get to a place where you end up with a depressive state or overly anxious, some kind of anxiety disorder, or, or on, on, the, on the faith side of things, you just walk away from it all because you, you can't, you've been told you can't put those things together. So uh, I don't know if that's helpful to anybody who's, who's listening, but, but I think that disappointment with God, anger with God, those are, those are important parts and that, and that God is, is big enough and loving enough to take that uh, and experience it with you. And you don't have to, you don't have to try to hold it all together or try to put some theological bandaid over your hurt in order to, to maintain some sense of spirituality. And that's, and that's the case throughout scripture. I mean, there are a lot of people that cry out to God going, God, this is not where I thought the story was going to go. Yeah. The whole Psalms, David's filled with, you know, I I mean, I love, I love going back to the Psalms to just say to myself, I, I am not the only one that no matter how much I love God, there are also days where I'm going, what is happening and why, you know, why do I feel like you are not doing something? Um, or you think about so much of the old Testament that people longing for certain things in their lives and going, God, why are you not showing up in these? But God is showing up every time, just not the way that people expected. And so the disappointment is very real. Yeah to all of those people because the life they imagined was not happening. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we believe that when life doesn't happen the way we think it should, um, that God's not there. And scripturally that is not true just because it's not the way we dream doesn't mean that God has walked away from us. No, I think that so clearly illustrates that difference between what we what we thought or expected might happen or hoped even, 
mm-hmm. might happen. And then when things didn't, I, I, my question is this, how do we deal with disappointment when we can't define it? Like when, when we just don't know exactly what it was and our expectations weren't set. Cause I think when it's a fixed point, you can tell like where it's off. You know what I mean? Like, you, oh yeah, I can clearly see where this isn't lined up and this is what I thought. But I, sometimes I have a hard time tracking it down and just like, I, I don't know what I'm disappointed in. I'm just, I just, I just feel disappointed. And I don't know if that's justified or not, you know? Yeah. I was say, I kind of had the same idea question too. thinking, sitting here, Evan, thinking if, if I was a parent of a college student, or high school student, or 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 any student for that matter, a young person. That's what we're student sort of, of life. Yeah, yeah, we're focused on. I think is, um, is how do I how do I get somebody to talk about it? Um, and you know, because because sometimes it is sort of a generalized malaise, <laughs> like I just it's sort of a haze that sits over you. It's not specific. Maybe you can't just say, "Oh, I was supposed to graduate this year." Maybe it's just a generalized disappointment of the surroundings and it's a little harder to pinpoint. But how do you, how do you, do you have any help for us, Lindsay, about how we might as a parent get our young people in our lives to talk about this in a way that's healthy and helpful? I think what complicates all of this is that there's a lot of ambiguous loss. So there's a few milestones that we know we are losing. Um, and we can name them. But there's also a lot of things where we sense that we are losing things, but we don't even know what they are yet because we don't know how long we're going to be in this state of sheltering in place. We don't know um, if we do this, does everybody get to go back to what we thought was normal life? Is it going to be a trickle down effect? Uh, are we going to have to do a sh- another shelter in place uh, period of time? So we can name the few things that we have lost and been disappointed by so far, but so much of it is still ambiguous and out there and unknown. I think that's why a lot of us are struggling to find words around it. Um, I, I think sitting with your student and naming the things they feel like they've lost and you have lost. If you can put any tangible meat on it, name those things Hmm. and then sit down and start talking about what other things uh, feel like you're unsure that you might lose. Things that you uh, might be intangible things like I, you know, saying I might lose that final month of school where everybody is so full of joy and uh, banding together and everything. Or um, I feel like I'm going to lose out on some of my summer and the way that friendships are set up because I haven't had that extra time to solidify those friendships before we've gone into summer. Hmm. Uh, For high school seniors, you might feel like you have lost part of your um, identity or journey because there's not the formal closure that you had wanted. And now you feel like you're being catapulted into the next phase without finality of this phase. And so for parents, I wish that I could give a really great prescriptive, here's three things to do. Um, But so much of it is about dialogue and connection. That 
making sure that you are sitting with your student and talking about age appropriate sadness. I mean, I wouldn't sit with your kindergartner and go name all the things that you have lost. Um, (laughs) They're probably not there yet, but talking about this, my stock portfolio, (laughs) (laughs) talking about this tension between Uh, um, the tangible things we've lost and kind of blanket experiences or things that we had wanted. We had wanted more time together. We had wanted um, a better transition um, from the last time that we were living at home before we moved out of the house. Mm -hmm. There's lots of this ambiguous stuff that uh, oftentimes we can't even name till we look back on it later of what we are really sad about. So don't force yourself to name something yet that might be hard to, but try journaling or talking it out or uh, just expressing this overall feel of yuck that a lot of us feel right now. Um, Sometimes yuck can feel really clinical and be helpful to define it that way. Uh, So be kind to yourself is my biggest recommendation to both parents and students and everybody in between. Uh, Be kind to yourself for the things that you can articulate that you have been sad and disappointed that you feel like you've lost and the disappointments that feel ambiguous, vague, or yet to come. You know, I think those are great. I think I, I feel a little convicted actually uh, convicted is not the right word. Cause that sort of has a negative connotation, but, but I would say uh, empowered. Maybe let me use that, that you sort of made me feel empowered tonight around my dinner table uh, with my kids. I think particularly because my wife and I, I think we talk a lot, you know, after they go to bed about what we're feeling and she's a therapist again. So she, you know, she's always getting me to talk about my feelings. Um, and, uh, but, but we have probably not given the right space. My daughter is nine, my son is five. And I think there's often, sometimes we think maybe they don't perceive everything that we do, but I think actually they're very aware. Uh, and, and my daughter, particularly has lifted up things that she misses. She's, she didn't get to say goodbye to her friends. Um, she didn't get to hug her teachers anymore before the end of the school year. And I think that's starting to sink in now that, you know, we just have a few weeks left of online learning. And, and so there's some sadness there that we haven't probably given the, uh, the space for them to acknowledge in a way that might be helpful to them. So I think, I think you've empowered me to, to think about that. And also just as a, for the sacramental side of things, um, that is to make things sacred, sacramentals to make mm-hmm. things sacred, these moments. Uh, when my, my wife's first job was to work in a palliative care, which is end-of-life care, part of a hospital, uh, that was her, her job was to be with families and with people as they died. Um, and when that first started happening, it was just, I mean, someone died every, several people died every day, in, in sometimes. Um, and so we had to learn how for her to deal with that disappointment and that loss. Cause it's just, it's something you deal with in the, in the healthcare mm-hmm. industry. If you're in that work, that's, it's just going to mm-hmm. happen. And one of the things we started to do was to light a candle. It's a very simple thing. We would light a candle. She would say the people's names, thoughts that came up with it. And, and then we would say a prayer mm-hmm. together and then we blow it out. And it became mm-hmm. kind of this thing that we could sacramentalize to make sacred that moment, to set it apart. And to say this was something that was important that happened today that I want to acknowledge, um, and so maybe that's another just a way for you as a family to 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 practice to to make sacred this thing that we're going through, 
and to remind your children and yourself that God is in the midst of this. Um, and, and God is with you, even though you may be angry and disappointed and sad, uh, and hurt, God is there with you in the, in the midst of all this. And, and maybe tonight, maybe at my dinner table, I'll light a candle and we can Mm -hmm. get my kids to, to say what they're, they're sad about what they're missing and, and just recognize that as something that's holy because disappointment is holy because we're made holy through God set apart for, for God's work in the world. And, and so what we're feeling is important and should be recognized. That's a ritual. I didn't even know that my soul really needs. So thank you for that, Mm -hmm. Michael. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. That's encouraging. I think that's, probably the most fitting note for us to kind of wrap this one up on. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in or listening. And thanks Mike and Lindsay for your friendship and for great conversations and uh, all the encouragement and commiserating <laughs> and the wisdom <laughs> as well. Uh, and you need to make sure you join us next time because the question really that's on all of our minds is the condition of Lindsay's bangs and whether or not next time yeah i don't know if you've noticed but she's she's they're in my way they justin bieber kind of like swoosh in the middle of her talks and we're all interested to know whether next week i'm gonna pin them back or i'm just gonna chop them off right (laughs) it could be a catastrophe another episode on disappointment if uh if, if it doesn't end well, if it doesn't end well, this, yeah. right. this is real life at its finest. So thank you. That's for right. that. There will that's be right. Bobby. <laughs> uh, some It'll of us have good. given hope, given up hope on Evan's beard, but you know, this, it's my plague beard is so disgusting. It is, it is so gross. And this is the most that my like presence is like recorded. And so this is like what is going down into memory. In but I really want to do, I really want to do it like a this like a mullet with like a fade on the side and then dye it blonde. I, I, Holly, my wife wants me to do it as a fundraiser. She's like, you could maybe do it as a fundraiser for <laughs> for work. I was like, okay, anything that'll anything that'll make it happen. I think it'd be good. Yeah, it's got to go. It's. I don't know if I'm, I'm adjusting just, to it or. I'm I just want to say I've lit a candle for disappointment. <laughs> For Evan's beard and for Lindsay's bangs. It's not even really a beard. It's yeah. really more like an abomination. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, yeah, it is it's, growing in a uh, unique way. It's a crime well, against humanity, really. Thank you, guys. We'll see you uh, next time, and uh, you have a great week. A good yeah. weekend. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in with us today. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can find us on Facebook at The Not Alone Podcast or on Instagram at The Not Alone Pod. And if you like what you heard, please give us a review on iTunes. See you next time.